My name is Henry Jarvis, and you're listening to the Real Nerds Podcast. That's pretty Very good. That's awesome. Very good. Before we get started on this episode of Real Nerds Podcast, remember you can connect to the Real Nerds in many ways. You can follow us on Twitter at Real Nerds. You can go to our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can like us on Facebook. You can also call us 720-6NERDS5. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast at Denver Comic Con 2016 and forever. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Ryan and with me this week is... James. And just James. Brad is filming again. Yep. He's a busy guy. He is. I forget what he's filming. I don't know if he's filming Eileen's thing or he's filming a music video. No, it's just him. He's got his phone. (laughs) He just likes staying in the bathroom. And just film. Film himself peeing. You know, I not mean, like in a grotesque way. Like you're not seeing any naughty bits. Just like, you know. Well, maybe someone wants to see the naughty him bits. Him sitting on the toilet. Yeah, it's um. But he. Let me tell you this though. Brad's a talented guy. If he mm-hmm. did that, be gorgeous. Best shots. Be like, be like. Roman Polanski's sitting on a toilet. <laughs> You know how I feel about Polanski. <laughs> I, I do. I don't know why that was the only name I could I know. pull. <laughs> I was like, it's not. That's it's not the, the quality film I want. Yeah, I don't know why I say stupid things, but uh, when <laughs> Henry was on here and I said Yule Brenner. Yeah. Uh, oh, Yule now Br- everywhere I go, I see Yule Brenner like, movies. Yeah. Oh, I guess man. he was like a huge action star. I didn't know that. Really? Yeah. I only know Yule Brenner from Cool Runnings. <laughs> no, no, no. He was in uh Anna and the or not Anna and the King. Wasn't it? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, Anna and the King. Um One Night with a King is a, a different movie. So uh how you been, James? I haven't seen you in a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, I've been good. I was just really busy last week. Um but uh no, I've been I've been good, you know. Um I, uh, oh, I discovered, you know, I, I bought a new car not too long ago. Yeah. And I finally discovered, like, the, the disappointing thing about this car. What is it? That um, it's a Volkswagen? No, 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 no. I really like that part of it. It's a really nice car. Um, but today I went and bought, uh, this morning I was going to try to get coffee and I needed to get gas and I couldn't get, like, I couldn't get coffee. So I stopped at the gas station. And I was like, I'll just run inside and I'll get a Mountain Dew. And I sprung for the big one, the big, like, the leader bottle. Mm, I, right? I can see you it. Can see it. Yeah. And it looks disgusting. Yeah, it's delicious. Mountain Dew is the worst soda that's ever been made. No, it's so not. It is. No, it's so not. It is. I'm going to have to think about what the worst soda ever made was, but like. It's Mountain Dew. No, it, it might be like Mellow Yellow. <laughs> I guess so. I guess because I don't like Mountain Dew and Mellow Yellow is like the cheap version of Mountain Dew. Right. Is, so yeah, I would say, yeah, probably Mellow Yellow then. I go Mellow Yellow then Mountain Dew. For shit sodas. No, no. Followed by Grape Crush. <laughs> okay, yeah. See, now Grape Crush, I thought... I've told you the story about Grape Crush, right? No. We brought it in at Sam's Club once, and uh, it was in like a it was in like a normal case of 24 or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was, I was like, holy shit. Like, I haven't had Grape Crush since I was a kid, so I bought two boxes. I think there's still Grape Crush in my parents' house. I just <laughs> left. I just abandoned it. I was like, oh, fuck all of this. It, it's like, weird. It's so bad. I, I don't know what, at what age you grow up and Grape Crush just stops being good. 
But I like Orange Crush. It's sometime between the ages of eight and twenty-five because <laughs> that's the period of time where I didn't drink orange. So if I'm helping scientifically us figure out the answer to this, I, you know. so we have at least we have a what, we, what would we call that? We got a range. A range to start with. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway, <laughs> getting back to what's disappointing about the car, uh, the bottle doesn't fit in the cup holder. It does just barely, but like mm. it's you got to shove it down in there. Yeah, real I hard. don't think it's just yours though. Because really? I'm pretty sure it wouldn't fit in mine either, and yeah. I drive a CRV. Yeah, because um, I, it, cup holders are getting smaller, which is too yeah, bad because drinks narrow. are getting bigger. Yeah, they're more narrow. <laughs> Even mine has like those. Does yours have like the little flaps in it? So yeah, it, yeah. So I don't think it would fit in mine either. Interesting. Yeah, it's like little springy things that pop yeah. out of the side, which is also unfortunate because a normal size bottle of Mountain Dew. Like, right where the flappy things come in is where the bottle, like, curves. So it makes it really hard to get the bottle in and out. Mm. I, I'm just saying, Mountain Dew or Volkswagen, you guys need to talk. <laughs> Please plan your next car better. Well, you, you need to talk to the Pepsi bottlers of America. Yeah. Because uh, they're the ones well, who designed the bottle. I could go I could go buy a, a Coca-Cola bottle and see if they're any better, but I doubt it. I mean, they're going to be... I mean, my Coke bottles fit sized. in there. I guess I don't, I don't drink Pepsi too often, so I don't know. Yeah. See, I, I like I like a good Pepsi. Like yeah, my mom is crazy for Pepsi. When we were growing up, um she my mom would always have like a 24 pack of Pepsi. That was like her thing, you know. Uh, cuz my mom doesn't drink, so she would always have like a Pepsi. Yeah. And um she wouldn't care if we had one every couple days or something like that, you know. But you could never ever take the last one. If you yeah. took the last one. My mom has the same rule. Yeah. I'm not, yeah. About yeah, Pepsi? Yeah. 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 Huh. Specifically about Pepsi. Like, um, and more specifically, cause there was a while where she was buying Pepsi in bottles, like mm-hmm. the little bottles. Um, so it was, it's the same, you know, it's like 12 ounces, like a can. Yeah. But that way she can like drink half of it and put the other half in the sure. fridge and save it. Right. Um, and so she doesn't ever want somebody to drink the last bottle because she doesn't drink a lot of, uh, a lot of Pepsi. So when she does, there better fucking be some Pepsi there. <laughs> right. She's gonna hate the fact that I just said fucking while I, while I, <laughs> while I quoted her. Yeah, cause I, I expect that from your mother to just right. be walking in and be like, James, you drink the last fucking Pepsi. James, where's the fucking Pepsi? <laughs> Actually, I would be, that'd be awesome if your mom did that. Okay, so I got this call from my mom. I have to okay, tell this story. Cool. Um, I got this call from my mom this week and she's like, I'm, I'm listening to the podcast on the way home, driving, driving in the car. And she's like, and I had to listen to 15 minutes. Of you boys, and notice the way I said boys, you boys talking about kung times on the phone. And I thought it was hilarious. That is awesome. I was like, this is so great. I got my mom to say kung fu and titties somehow. This is, this is just an amazing moment in my life. <laughs> um, I forgot that that was a movie and that right. we, we didn't believe it was a real movie. Yeah. And we played the, she was like, and you played the trailer. You made me listen to the trailer. <laughs> it's so good. That's, it's what we do. Yep. Yeah, we're, we're not only are we a podcast, we're also an investigative reporting podcast. <laughs> where, this is journalism. This is journalism. Where Come we gotta on, mom. Figure out exactly what Kung Fu and Titties is. Yeah. Which I would actually get Blu-ray. Oh, it was ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Like, because then uh, I was talking to Rafe last night and he was like, you guys should do a commentary. Just sneak a commentary into the podcast feed of you guys talking about talking over Kung Fu and Titties. Which is a good idea. Rafe and I wouldn't mind doing it, except I don't want to spend thirty bucks on the movie. I agree. I agree. It's worth about a dollar. I wonder if it's on Amazon, like streaming. No, no, no. 
It's it can't be. It can't. It has to be. They have everything on stream. I swear they have like <sighs> six million movies at stream. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Anyway, what are we doing here, Ryan? <laughs> uh, every week we go see a new movie and we podcast our experience to the world. Except I'm the only one who saw a new movie this week. And, yeah. And I went and saw Sinister Two. Cool. Which was written by our good friend Scott Derrickson. Yeah. So stay tuned for that. I had a lot of fun at uh, the Alamo this week because my server, Sydney, who's in her last year at film school. Oh, cool. Uh, was very nice and did a very good job. And I was the only one in my row. So it was nice. And dude, they have like the best deal. Have you ever had their hummus there? No. It's $8 and it's huge. Oh, yeah. Cause I was, I was at school all day and I was really hungry. And so I got so to, you were just like, I need some bean mush. Yeah. Well, I went to the Alamo and said, you know, I don't know what I want, but I, I said, you know, the hummus looks really, sounds kind of good. So I asked her, I said, Hey, is, you know, the hummus good? She says, yeah, it's really good. It's really garlicky. I said, cool. I love garlicky hummus. And I, <laughs> so I said, well, order the hummus and maybe I'll get like, you know, chicken fingers or something else as well. It came out. I'm not joking. It was in this like huge, uh, I can't think of the name. What's the thing that the witches stir oh. their... Oh, cauldron. A cauldron. It came out like <laughs> in this huge cauldron. And, but it had like a whole cucumber, like quartered, a whole green and red pepper sliced, carrots, celery, and a pita that was cut up. Yeah. So it was huge. So I didn't even eat it all. Wow. It was awesome. And it's eight bucks. So I was really, really happy. Because it was good. It's a lot of beans. It is. Speaking of the Alamo Draft House, this is what you can see next week at Alamo Draft House. Hi, I'm Leonard Malton, and I love going to the movies. I always have. What I don't love is people who intrude on my movie-going experience. I know a lot of you feel the same way, but there's always that one person. And I've tried every technique. I've tried being polite, tried being sarcastic, I've tried shushing. Sometimes nothing works. Look, I'm not antisocial. You want to hang out with your friends? Have fun. You want to talk or text? Go at it. Want to play video games? Have a good time. Just don't do it here. Shut up. Let us all watch the movie, okay? It's a busy week at the Alamo next week. Yeah? Yeah. So, um, Fantastique, which is basically their fantasy film series, is The Dark Crystal in 35mm. Have you read, did you read the paragraph underneath it? No, is it it's awesome? really funny. It, it says it's fucked up. Um, <laughs> of course, you know, it's the fucked part is, you know, edited out for your mother and, uh, <laughs> just kidding, Carol. Um, the, so that uh, they have the dark crystal and 35 millimeter, uh, the third man. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Man. The damned. Don't you wish that we were dead? I don't even know what that is. Vinegar Syndrome, which is a really cool little um, imprint of Blu-rays, and they take really goofy movies. And uh, they're actually showing a movie there, and it's Sweet Trash. Weird. Mondo X Chiller is Maniac Cop 2, which has Bruce Campbell in it for about five minutes. Oh, really? Yep. Oh. This is the one that... This is the most interesting thing about Maniac Cop 2 that I've heard yet. (laughs) This is the one that I'm kind of excited about, and this is a tweet that has gotten the most action or I guess the most activity on our account in the last week. Yeah. The water boy is playing with the Broncos safety TJ Ward. Cool. And for $40, you get um, tickets to the 
movie, obviously. Um, you get Gumbo, because you know the Waterboys, Louisiana, and oh, okay. you Got and it. you also get an ice cream sandwich. <laughs> the tickets are forty dollars, but the good news is all proceeds benefit the T.J. Ward Foundation, which um is you know a charity. So make sure that you help charities, and yeah. you get to see a funny movie. I th- actually watched The Waterboy recently, and it's actually holds up pretty well and pretty funny. And you get to meet a Denver Bronco. He'll be there signing autographs. I've never seen The Waterboy. You haven't? Nope. It's fun. Is that a, that's a thing I should do? If you want to have fun, eat some gumbo and ice cream and help a good cause, I think you should go do it. All right. The tickets are only 40 bucks. Cool. I mean, what's a movie? $10 and then, you know, $10 for the gumbo usually and maybe $6 for the, um, the ice cream sandwich. And then you get to see this dude. And you can see this dude. But the good thing is, is I'm sure that, uh, all proceeds go to help his foundation. So. Yeah. It's raising money to help kids. And nothing wrong with that. Not at all. Uh, girly night is say anything. Hi, buddy. Look at that little guy running around. <laughs> what does he get a break first? The vacuum. Yep. Probably. <laughs> sure enough. <laughs> uh, and if, when you think that. Say, any, Al- say anything's a good movie. Yeah, it is a really good movie. Yeah. John Cusack. When you think that the LMO is done with fundraising, you would be wrong. The free outdoor film is actually at Sloan's Lake on my birthday. In case anybody cares. Oh. Nobody does. I'm not going to celebrate. Is Pee Wee's Big Adventure and it's benefiting the Girls Incorporated of Metro Denver. And it's outside at Sloan's Lake. And I was, I was at the Alamo last night and you get red bow ties. There's going to be the tequila dance off and Mr. T cereal. So pff, why wouldn't you go? Is this sexist? Why, why did girls have an incorporation? Do we have an incorporation? Yeah. It's the TJ Ward Foundation. I don't oh, know. Right. Uh, do we need one? Nah. Nah, we're all right. Yeah. We're men. We're tougher than women. Oh, shit. That's not what I was saying. That's what you just said. No. That Pretty much. No. Yep. I just want to have my own incorporation. I don't even know what an incorporation is. I just want one. I, I You know, I'd have to look it up, but my guess is they help um, at-risk youth or something. Oh, okay. In Denver. That's pretty good. Uh, that would be my guess. Uh, I'm going to pretend that I'm not looking it up right now so we can... Okay. Uh, hey, the other thing is that on September 7th, they are also showing, uh, the color purple, which, uh, we, the real nerds will be hosting. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Are we hosting it? I thought it was just well, you. Well, I, we, collective we. I mean, at the very least, I'm gonna be there and I'm gonna I mean, put I, something together. Did, I mean, I wasn't invited to it, so I. Yeah, the tweet was towards both of us and I talked to Steve. Okay. So, so I yes, mean, I'm sure I, that, yeah. I will be there helping, of course. Yeah, I'm sure that you are allowed to come and help. Anyway, uh, so come out and see The Color Purple. If you've never seen The Color Purple, it's a fantastic little movie. Little. It's a little. fantastic, huge, epic. Say, it's a Spielberg, like, period <laughs> right. drama epic movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Epic um, in the word that it's really well done. It's not, you know, battle scenes or anything, but. Oh, no, there are. There's huge battle scenes where <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg fights with orcs. Um, so if you want to see that happen, then definitely come see the movie. Um, it's, I, I need to finish up the last couple Spielberg movies I haven't seen so that I can put together a list of what my favorites are. Mm-hmm. But of his like really heavy dramas, it might be my favorite. Oh, um, yeah. Like out of your, out of your Schindler's list, your Amistad's like, yeah, I, I really do. Um, cause it, it feels very personal in a way that I think that the others don't, even though, even though he's got obviously some connections with Schindler's list, like that, that issue is so huge that, 
Color Purple takes things, you know, because it's dealing with one person, it feels very intimate. Um, and I think that makes it very effective. So come out and see the Color Purple, uh, September 7th. Yeah. I've... Man, now you got me really thinking about Spielberg dramas. I know, because I, I have to say, like, bombastic, controversial things. <laughs> uh, are there any others other than, like, of that ilk, you know, like always is a drama, but I wouldn't, you know, it's not the same as. You know which one that surprised me how, is War Horse, surprised me how moving it is, cause it's a, sure, s- yes. It's a movie about a horse, and the yeah. horse is the main character in that movie. Yeah. It's not up there with his Schindler's list. It's just not as dark, you know? Yeah. Man, like, now, now I'm gonna have to watch Spielberg does movies. Does he make, does he, is, is there a, a, a dark, uh, like a dark drama other than those three that he's made? And I don't count AI because AI is hardly a Spielberg movie in my mind. Like the visually, it's a Spielberg movie, yeah. and the content is not. I don't know. I don't think so. Anyway, um, yeah, man, now you got me really thinking. Uh, anyways, the TJ Ward Foundation is committed to enhancing the lives of young people by supporting programs that provide the tools necessary to empower young men and women in underprivileged communities across the country. Cool. The foundation focuses on socioeconomic, educational, and physical needs of the young people it supports. The TJ War Foundation stresses the importance of education while also placing an important emphasis on physical fitness and health, which is really good because, uh, you know, it's get, basically he's getting out there and underprivileged kids and making them active. I was just reading a little, um, thing about it and he started it because he grew up in San Francisco and, you know, not in a wealthy family. So he's giving yeah. back to the communities that he, uh, loves. And what's really cool is he's only been a Bronco for two years and that he does that in Denver and helps out the Denver community is great. Yeah. Um, the Girls Inc. of Metro Denver uh, inspires all girls to be strong, smart, and bold through life-changing programs experience that help girls navigate barriers and reach their full potential. Hell yeah. We provide year-round academic achievement and skill-building programs that are delivered by trained mentoring professionals in a positive all-girl environment. Awesome. Very so cool. both of these uh, programs are very well uh, – are very cool, and you should absolutely support them. Plus, you get to see movies. Yeah. I mean, Pee-wee's Big Adventure is Tim Burton's best movie, so – um, I would say we're gonna fight. What do you think Tim Burton's best movie is? It's Big Fish. It's Big Fish. Oh, we it's are gonna fight. Big Fish. It's big, really Big, big fish. fish. Is a big floppy dead fish on a dock? No, it's not. Big Fish is a great movie. Yeah, it's yeah, it's pretty good, but it's not as good as Pee's Big Adventure. Maybe Ed Wood. Actually, maybe I probably should say Ed Wood. Oh, <laughs> Ed Wood, dude. I should say Ed Wood. We should both say Ed Wood. We should. Okay, right. yeah, Ed right. Wood. Yeah. <laughs> All right. High five. Agree. Yep. We did it. <laughs> so, yeah. So, make sure you support both of those because I think it's really cool. Yeah. That's awesome. And you get free food. Yeah. No, nothing, well, yeah, because all the money goes to charity. You're, you're giving to charity it's, and you get free you're food. Getting, yes, exactly. That's the way to look at it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Go give to charity and see some stuff. I was thinking of you when I was leaving the Alamo, too, because I bought Laura one of those Minions pint glasses. I hate you. And their Blu-rays they have for sale right now is Cherry 2000. Oh really? It's only 15, they have it. They have it it's at the It's fifteen Alamo? bucks. Yeah. So Aww, I thought of you. Man, I should have bought that. Yeah. I even walked past their little Blu-ray rack yesterday, or yeah, yesterday, and thought like, oh, I should look at it and see if there's anything new on there. But I already have Spring, and that was the only thing I thought they might have added. Mm. So that's interesting. Cool. Yeah. What do you want to do first, James? Uh, let's do Blu-rays. Cool. Did you move in? About five years ago. By the power of Grayskull, 
Point Break or Bad Boys 2? Which one do you think I prefer? No, I mean, which one do you want to watch first? You are pulling my leg. Notice how I actually said Blu-rays this time? I know, I'm proud of you. DVD releases? Yeah. Uh, Hi, Kevin. I really tried. Hey, buddy. He's like, I want to clean. How how do I get the vacuum going? Teach me how to plug things in. I'll tell you how you do it. Honey, we need a vacuum. <laughs> You're the worst. You're the worst. She should hit you. She if, she looks at me like that, but I'm pretty sure my wife loves vacuuming. If you guys get divorced, I'm choosing her. That's fine. <laughs> oh. My wife is one of those weird people that just loves to like organize and vacuum. Uh You don't like to organize? <sighs> She likes oh, having, she likes having it organized. She doesn't like to organize. Right, yeah. If, uh, you just got owned. That's right. Um, we each have our thing. Mine is making a mess. Making a mess. <laughs> making my wife clean it up. Screwing up everything so that Laura has to fix it. <laughs> All right. Uh, there is a double feature this week that's got a Ruddy Dangerfield movie in it called Easy Money. It's the funny. It's with Joe Pesci. Is it? Yeah, it's a funny movie. Cool. I wonder if I've ever seen a Robert and uh, um, what's his face movie? I'm not sure. A Rodney Dangerfield? Yeah. You haven't seen know. Back to School? Uh, maybe. Kellen, don't play with the power cord. Don't play with that. That's Kellen, not, come here, that's buddy. Not, that's not for playing with. You're gonna stick your fingers in there, and you're gonna die. Or worse than that, you're gonna turn off the podcast, and I'm gonna kill you. And he ran away. Good job. Don't threaten my son. I'm just- <laughs> I'll kill you. <laughs> I was just kidding. I, know. I was just kidding. I know, and I was. Oh too. my goodness! Or was I? I had to be effective. Uh, it got him to run away. All right. Uh, the Walking Dead season five is coming out this week. Ooh, I got that coming. Um, have you seen The Walking Dead season five? Yeah, I think I'm like two seasons behind. It's really good. Is it really it good? Be, it might be their best season. I'm not even exaggerating. I think as as the seasons go along, they're actually getting a lot better. Yeah. Uh, the first season I think had two or three episodes that are pretty good. Yeah. Um. The second season started getting pretty good because it had some shocking twists. Yeah. Third season. Third yeah. Se- third season's where I fell off, like halfway through third season. There's some really strong episodes. Fourth season's really good. And yeah. And the fifth season, I think, is their best one. Shit. All right. I'm going to have to catch up. I'm going to have to catch up. All right. Um, Criterion is releasing Throne of Blood. Which is a cool I, name. Yeah. It sounds really cool. The cover's really awesome. So if you know what Throne of Blood is, check that out. If you know what Throne of Blood is and you're mad at us for not knowing what it is, send us an email and tell us <laughs> why we should see Throne of Blood. Uh, there's a movie called Sorrow that I've never heard of, but it's some kind of horror movie inspired by actual events. Um, there's a movie with Jennifer Lopez called Lila and Eve that looks like garbage. Nice. Uh, there's a Blu-ray release, the 30th anniversary of The Last Dragon, um, uh, which the guy from that movie was at, um, was at the Alamo mm-hmm. at some point, not too long ago. I saw his picture at the theater yesterday. Uh, I don't know... I, <laughs> Okay, so now we're just gonna get into horror movies, with really, really cool covers. I don't actually, I can't tell which ones are Screen Factory releases though. No, that's Arrow. Arrow's a imprint of. They're from England, and I yeah. have one called Society, that is a really weird horror film. But the box art's really cool. It's like flesh. Weird. <laughs> and it comes with a comic book. Yeah, I love the name Blood Rage. Yeah, I like the second, the secondary cover here, Blood Rage, and it's just a, like a knife. In front of like the woods and a woman screaming. Sweet. Uh, in the reflection, which that one's pretty good. Um, so you can pick up Blood Rage. Uh, there's a movie called Play Hotel. I have no idea what it is. It might be porn. So let's <laughs> move on. Um, 
Uh, there's a movie called The Revengers coming out this week, oh, uh, which has got that's such Ernest a cool Borgnine. name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it a western? Uh, I believe so. That's sweet. It's what it looks like. And I the mean, just Revengers. Yeah, just look at this cover though. Look at this beautiful painted cover. Oh man. Yeah. Anyway, it's got Ernest Borgnine in it. Um, it's only uh, it's like twenty bucks. I might check it out. And then there's a movie called Morbid. Uh, this is the cover though. Look at this nice. thing. Nice. This is like trashy sea level comic book cover <laughs> of a dude in a mask with a knife just cutting the heads off of people. And why not? Yeah, and there's blood spewing everywhere and the blood turns into the word morbid. Nice. Uh, it looks like it was written maybe with his fingers after he decapitated all those people. Uh, yeah. Oh, and he's holding up uh, the reason it's it it feels very comic booky to me is that he's holding the like head of the woman that he just you know decapitated um so it looks like uh like the crime suspense stories cover um so anyway that's that's blu-rays there's actually one that's not on there that i'm getting oh yeah uh it is robert downey jr's the singing detective oh that's right is making its debut on blu-ray that's right which the only bummer is there's no special features but the cover's really cool and it's blu-ray so cool i'm gonna have to check that one out yeah um, this, I, I did, here's the screen factor for this week. Uh, so it's, it's Metamorphosis and Beyond Darkness. Beyond so, Darkness looks interesting. Yeah, I've never heard of either of those. And sometimes when Scream Factory does double features, it's because they're both pieces of shit. But they actually take time to put them on Blu-ray is why I respect Scream Factory. And what's great about Scream Factory too is they know a lot of the movies they put on Blu-ray are pieces of shit. Yeah. So... Metamorphosis has got a guy whose head is in a big clamp, and there's like a needle, and it's being poked into his eye, and he's probably being injected with something. And then there's like a woman and her son, and she's holding him like, no, don't save your father from getting stabbed in the eye. <laughs> That's what it looks like. Uh, Beyond Darkness has got like a big ghoulie thing over it, over like a little house. Yeah, it looks like a haunted house movie or something. Yeah, and then the tagline is just, the evil one has come to take the souls of the young, which is the most, like, mm, rhymes. generic horror ooh title. It's funny that, you know, Scream Factory knows they make crap. I, The Howling 2, when I was talking about it, is another one of our tweets that just people loved. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I put, is Howling 2 a good movie? No. And even Scream Factory retweeted it. Right. And I remember when that movie was, they released, they put out that they're putting that movie out on Blu-ray with special features. Right. And even horror film people, there's horror film snobs, which I don't get because really horror films. And I mean, you're talking about one of my favorite genres of films and they, they're just not <laughs> great movies. Um, and people were up in arms and, you know, the, the people at Scream Factory are just, you know, it's, it's for fun. It's not, we know it's not a good movie. Right. It's a fun movie, though. Yeah. So, good for them. Yeah. Good and for them. If you want to see Metamorphosis and Beyond Darkness was the other one. Yeah, something like that. I don't <laughs> know. I already called it. Beyond Darkness. Beyond Darkness. Yeah, that's exactly what it's Sweet. Cool. cool. What's next? Stats? Cool. Cool. <laughs> Oh, Jerry, doesn't make me feel good just to say that. Say it with me one time, Jerry. Show me the money! Show me the money! 
I pretty much called this like straight up. Yeah. I said that Sinister would make about 15 million and that straight out of Compton would repeat. And yep, that's what's going to happen. Yep. Um, I'm actually surprised Man from Uncle didn't make as much money. I'm not. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll talk about it a little later, but, um, as good as the movie is, most people don't know what Man from Uncle is. Yeah. Like my mom even said that there were two people from work that she invited. And as she was leaving, they were both like, Oh man, I'd really like to go see the movie with you. And it looked, the trailer looked interesting, but they were like, oh, I don't know what Man from Uncle is. Mm-hmm. And the name itself is so elusive. Yeah. That, you know, similar, it's basically the same as Mission Impossible, right? It is. Like it's, it's, hey, we're going to make this old TV show into a movie. The difference is that the title Mission Impossible lends itself towards like people seeing <laughs> it. It does sound cooler. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas Man from Uncle, you're like, it, it sounds like, um, it sounds like my own private Idaho or like, <laughs> like just a really quiet, somber movie. October like, Sky. Like somebody's grandmother's going to die in this movie. Like, oh, here, here comes the man from Uncle. Mm. And you know, it's Uncle Indiana. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I can see people not rushing to see it. So next week, I don't, I don't know. Maybe No Escape's going to be the number one movie. I couldn't even, I couldn't even tell you. The movies next yeah. week are garbage, so. Because I, I think that, like, Straight Outta Compton, I will probably try to see that at some point in the next week. Um, but I think that that movie more, more quickly hits its ceiling on what, how many people it can reach. Like, that movie is probably going to drop off finally. Um, Mission Impossible will continue to, like, yeah, well, they, I mean, they're projected to do 28 million this week. Yeah. So, I mean, it's going to be at a million. No, yeah, at the same time, there's there's also no competition for it. Yeah, and that's so, what like, I mean. So next week, I, I don't know. It might win again next week. Sheesh. Know. Yeah. Uh, because there's no competition again. Uh, it, this is the time when the summer starts trailing off and yeah. they go, oh, here's. Yeah, I mean, looking at the at the calendar back at the beginning of the year, I, I kind of remember going like, oh, okay, so Man from Uncle is basically the last summer movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and sure enough, that's what it seems like because, man who knows what we're seeing next week <laughs> right so uh, we might see z from zachariah yeah yeah or for zachariah something like that that sounds like a good choice to me yep if we can find it if not maybe film explosion something yeah yeah we'll just pick a year we'll figure something out yep we always do yep so yeah i don't know next week is too weird for me so i'm not gonna pick a winner because i don't even know what to say <laughs> yeah uh i mean I, I think no escape actually looks kind of interesting yeah. because it's like an action movie. But who's going to go see it? Yeah, that's what I mean. And I don't know. I mean, Pierce Bronson's in it, so maybe it's... Yeah. Maybe he can relive his James Bond glory I, days. I don't think he pulls anyone. Oh, he doesn't. I don't I know. I know he yeah. doesn't. Nobody's like, oh shit, Grey Owl is in this movie? <laughs> like, oh. That and I too... I, I do like Owen Wilson, but is he an action movie guy? He, no. He's well, more of like a quirky comedy guy. He can be, because yeah. d- um, uh, Behind Enemy Lines is an awesome, awesome movie. I agree. But it, he he never capitalized on that. Like, yeah, and that was unfortunately, like 12 he, years ago? Yeah. Like, that was a long time ago. Maybe even he, longer. He could have been like a... Not not quite Chris Pratt, but like he could have filled that role. Even the Shanghai Noon movies, right? Like, oh, Dude, they should make another Shanghai Noon movie. They should totally make another Shanghai <laughs> Noon movie. Yeah. Oh wow! Like the um, that would be that would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that his sort of his emotional problems and all of that stuff, I think, probably kept him from really capitalizing the way he yeah. could have. So, 
Yeah, um, and it, you know it's better to take care of yourself. Take, hold with, against him, yeah, right? Yeah, like, better take care of yourself than worry about being in an action movie star. I would rather have him in some Wes Anderson movies than in no movies at all. Exactly. So we'll see. So maybe someone who's more educated than us can send us an idea of what you think's going to be <laughs> the, the box office totals next yeah, week. Yeah, because I have nothing. Yep. Cool. Cool. Uh, news. Okay. In other news, the Prime Minister of Sweden visited Washington today, and my tiny little nipples went to France. The White House Reception Committee greeted the Prime Ribrost Minister, and I do the cha-cha like a sissy girl. I like a do the cha-cha. I'm sorry, we seem to be having some technical difficulties. There's like there's like nothing that happened this week. There's uh, lots of movies that are finishing production. Yeah. Because I think they're gearing up for next summer. Did you see the Struz Struzan poster? Yeah, it's for awesome. Star Wars? It's really cool. Man. I was uh, watching a video of him drawing it. If you're a fan of his on Facebook, yeah. you can go there and he has videos of him drawing it. It's pretty sweet. Oh man. I love him. It's not like an official uh one sheet. Um, should be, but, uh, yeah, well, unless he's doing an official one sheet, like if he's, yeah, like if he's doing another one, that would be awesome. If I were JJ Abrams, I'd be like, Hey Drew, can you like come out of retirement and paint like (laughs) 14 posters for these movies? Would you just go ahead and paint like a a poster for the next 10 films? And that'd be great. Yeah. Just in case you die, we want to make sure that (laughs) Star Wars always has a Drew Struzan poster. Do do a couple Raiders uh, ones too. Like just leave the face off of Indiana Jones, and like just paint some Raiders of the Lost Ark posters. And then when we make sequels to those movies, we'll just we'll paint in like, you know, Chris Pratt. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Yeah, uh, whoever, whoever. At my academy, they're doing so. There's a law. This is gonna be boring for a second, but it, it comes back to this. There's a law where you can use equal physical force. So if you punch me, I can punch you equally as hard, and I don't have any repercussions because I'm defending myself. As a cop, or just in general, in as general. a person. Oh, okay. In general. Uh, so if, for you, for listeners in Colorado too, if someone pulls a gun on you and threatens to kill you, you can pull a gun on them and kill them, and not face any legal recourse for that. Right. Um. So, but if they pull a gun on me and I pull a rocket launcher, that's illegal. Yes. Ah, because they if they used the example. I gotta of, stop carrying rocket launchers everywhere I go. So we're there and there's a video that the district attorney is going to show us. And she said, what's what's the movie with Indiana Jones where he shoots the guy? Is it uh, Last Crusade? And everyone in the class uh, says, yeah, Last Crusade. I said, I stood up. I said, no, it's Raiders no. of the Lost Ark. <laughs> You're like, this injustice will not stand. Yes. Uh, so, yes. So in Colorado law, Indiana Jones would be arrested because he was <laughs> he shot a guy with a gun. Oh, that's an awesome, awesome story. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh man sheesh you are already a better cop than all the other cops thank you yeah cool all right <laughs> uh um anyways yeah drew susan drew susan <laughs> um that's like it man i I went even back through it because i was like i mean yo dog we're not gonna get a resident evil movie for a while i know because get this you know it's coming out in october of Next year, no what the new Underworld movie. So they had to decide: Does Underworld come out first, 
Orta's no, Resident Evil. You can make both those movies in a year. I think so too. Yeah. Why don't they put? Uh, I, I want, September is Underworld and October is Resident Evil. Yeah, I want I want Underworld, I want Resident <laughs> Evil, and I want uh, Witch Hunters two. All in the same coming. year. I know. I brought that up last week because you forgot to talk about it the week before. Oh, did I? Yeah. Oh, man. That they, they found a new director. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that movie's going to get made. In, in all the ways that I still don't believe that, like, uh, that Preacher is going to get made, <laughs> I believe that, that the universe is going to move to make sure that Witch Hunters 2 gets made. Because <laughs> things are only fair if Witch Hunters 2 gets made. Like, yep. the world is only just... <laughs> if that is true. Hey, so, man, hey, look at you in your little clothes. You ready to go? Have you a nice Saturday? We're going to take yeah, some yeah. extra pants with you just in case. <laughs> That's his new favorite thing to do is he opens up his drawers and he takes all his clothes out and puts them back in. Weird. I know. I don't know why. <laughs> your son's weird. It's, it's What is he doing? Something's wrong with him. Um. Yeah, I really like that's news. I, I didn't remember anything from this week, and then I, I poured back through, and I don't see anything that I missed. So, Will Smith's working on a Fresh Prince reboot. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, great. Whatever. Wow, you did go back far. Yeah, yeah was... we we can talk about that when it happens, if it happens. But anyway, cool. That's news. Cool. Okay, what else do we have to do? What we've been watching. Do you have a comic book this week? Oh, uh, did you finish Batgirl? No. Sorry. It's pretty good so far, though. It is good. Yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. You can pick up trades for Batgirl at Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics. You totally can. In Arvada, Colorado. Yep. You should pick them up. Yeah. And you'd get a better deal. Yeah. 20% off. Yeah. Secret Wars from Marvel is really good. Is it? Yeah. It's really good. Good. Good, good. So, yeah. Yeah. I haven't read any really, like... I haven't, done comics. I haven't done anything. I haven't done anything. I've been, I've been reading comics, I've, but they haven't been, I, I will say I'm disappointed in Spider-Verse, which is a Secret Wars kind of thing. It takes all the other yeah. spider people. Not because the story's not good. The story's kind of interesting. The art is horrible in it though. Oh, and who's doing the art? Somebody I've never heard of. No. Oh. And, which is weird if you think of a Spider-Man, cause the covers are done by Nick Bradshaw and he's a really cool artist. And the inside, like, the panels are really flat and, not very detailed, and it's. I'm sure it's just this guy's art style, but it doesn't fit Spider-Man at all. Yeah, because you have to have like when, the way spider people move. You know. Yeah. I don't know how to describe it. It just doesn't work. It's funny. I wasn't here last week, so we didn't talk about um, that article that you posted about Rob Liefeld. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wasn't was it so funny? Good. Oh man. I, someone actually poured <laughs> through all that stuff to find horrible rob liefeld oh yeah man he's so bad at feet he, he is holy crap like sometimes people just their legs just end yep they, they just come to a point it's yep. like they're always on tiptoes yep You're like holy crap what are you doing <laughs> what uh-huh um yeah so anyway it's not weird so and don't buy rob liefeld books I, i've always said and his, the fists he makes his fists make no sense yeah i, I don't they're I don't weird. know why people used to like him. It seems like he's just a lazy artist. Yeah. Well, the 90s were hard. No, because you got people like Mark Bagley, I thought, did really good. Yeah, but Mark Bagley's really talented. Yeah. So, oh man, that makes me want to go read some Ultimate Spider-Man. You should. Anyway. Anyways. Cool. Uh, this is what we watched this week. Sweet. Are either one of these any good? 
Sir. What? Are either one of these any good? I don't watch movies. Well, have you heard anything about either one of them? I find it's best to stay out of other people's affairs. I didn't watch very much. I've been fucking busy and it sucks because I get burnt out being in school so much yeah. that it's hard for me to focus on anything. Yeah. Uh, so I watch Batman Returns. Cool. And I, I still, actually, I still think it's Tim Burton's best Batman. But I will say, watching it again, I do have some issues with it. Um, like that those movies aren't good. <laughs> Sorry, they're, they're, I, yeah. I'm just I'm being cruel. I'm, no, I'm trying to pick the, the a fight. The thing is, is they're they're not great movies. No. There's elements of them that are good. The thing is, is so I I as watch Batman Returns. I'm doing research on it, and its budget was twice as much as Batman. So I think it was like okay. sixty million. I think the first Batman was thirty five million, right. which is weird when you think about it. Well, uh, but the first one, like the whole movie, takes place like in an alley and in a building. Here's the thing, though. I I actually took note of this. So. Batman Returns is supposed to be a bigger movie. Right. But the set makes it feel more confined. Yeah. And it seems like Batman's just walking th- through the same part of town constantly. Yeah. And always showing up at the same part of town. I can see Continuously. That. It takes place, uh, if you watch again, it takes place literally in like Gotham's square. And that's the whole movie takes place there. Is that, is that because the whole movie takes place at night? Like is, does, does setting a movie at night make everything feel very confined? No, because there's some moments in during the day. Yeah, but there aren't like there aren't yeah. big sweeping shots. Like yeah. you go to like exactly. a dark night, exactly. Where you get these big sweeping shots of even, Chicago, and the and the city feels real. Even in Batman, you know, yeah. he did you know establishing shots of it coming in and yeah. the Joker's balloons and stuff. So you had a sense of scale. Yeah. In Batman Returns, it feels like it's on a movie studio. Mm-hmm. It it feels confined. And Batman kills like three dudes in it. He sets one dude on fire. Yeah. He puts a bomb in one dude and throws him down a mine, like a shaft, and he blows up. Yeah. I said, like, what? <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. Hey, man, Batman, Batman's a cold-hearted killer. Like, <laughs> sometimes you gotta get shit done. And I'm pretty sure Batman slash Bruce Wayne is in 15 minutes of the movie. The rest of the movie is Danny DeVito and Christopher Walken. And, uh. Who is Christopher Walken in the movie? He's Max Shrek. He's like the big oh. corporate bad guy. Yeah. And, which is a really bummer because I do think actually Michael Keaton is really good. Yeah. But he's just not in it. And there was a special feature afterwards and Tim Burton says, I, I think that he's in it enough. And it's, it is weird. Um, he said it like that. Yeah. Pretty much waving his hand back and forth like he was casting a spell. Yeah. I, what Tim Burton, you don't have to be weird, dude. Just be a normal person. <laughs> I, I don't think, I think he just is weird, Ryan. No, I, think, I don't think, he's no, I think, I think it's an weird. act. I think 100% it's an act. I think it's, he says, I'm Tim Burton. People expect me to sell product at Hot Topic. I need to be this way. But Hot Topic didn't exist back then. Um, pretty sure it kind of did. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but I, we're going there, to look up the oral history of Hot Topic. Yes. There is some fun parts. I love Michelle Pfeiffer in the movie. Yeah. I really do. I love her Catwoman. Um, because one, I think she looks, like Catwoman, I think she's sexy as Catwoman. Yeah. But then they throw in arbitrary rules that she has nine lives all of a sudden, and Batman kills her twice. And so he actually kills like five people in the movie. Yeah. You know, he throws her off a fucking roof into uh, a greenhouse on top of another building. Oh, then the plants caught her, like, catch her fall then. And then she gets shot at the end by Christopher Walken's character, 
And she's like, I still have three lives. That's dumb. And then she takes a, like a stun gun and kisses him and like electrocutes him until he dies. I remember that and feeling like that was not very good. Uh, so her, Danny DeVito's pretty cool as a penguin. Cool. Yeah. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's... for the, not the penguin from the comics, but the penguin for a Tim Burton movie. Yeah, but I mean, like, who, who else could play that character? Oh, I mean, like, nobody. Unless, unless you do like the way Gotham is doing it, where he's just like a kind of sleazy yeah. businessman. No, no, like, I mean for the movie. If you it want works. him to be stumpy and like, you know, yeah, but yeah, like the fact that he you know eats fish and uh has weird flappy mutated arms or whatever, yeah. like. Ugh. I, but yeah. I do like he there's actually some pretty funny scenes with him and michelle pfeiffer as Catwoman. yeah and he says let me get inside that pussy and you're like whoa <laughs> all right <laughs> not, not really a kid's film <laughs> um, oh my goodness uh, that's pretty great yeah so there's some great moments with that i like that it's snowing the whole time i think it's it looks cool yeah um but but then it has dorky things with penguins that have rocket launchers on them and they're gonna blow up gotham and they're controlled yeah, see, see, that's, that's where the, the tim burton comes where in like, you know no that's the, that's where the like it's a kid's superhero movie thing and that's why i tried to like, silly when, shit when i watched the in. batman 89 again that's what i was trying to tell uh everybody is it's a mixture of dark stuff from tim burton and the 66 batman yeah where it's just goofy campy and then they try to pretend that it's serious right so yeah i mean it's whatever I, I still think it's better than Batman 89. You know what the best Batman is? The Dark Knight? Animated series. Because <laughs> I was just yeah. thinking, like, like that idea of, you know, somebody sending penguins in with bombs on them. I'm like, oh, it's kind of like the, the Mad Bomber episode with the little race cars. Oh, yeah. You know? That Only that episode's sense. really good. Yeah. It's a really well-written little episode. Yeah. That's kind of terrifying. Man, that show's good. Yeah, it's a great show. Uh, yeah. And the other thing I watched is I was, I was testing my love of an actor and I, I got around to watching Jack and Jill, oh my. which is an Adam Sandler movie from 2011. Okay. I think it's 2011. Sure. Um, in it, he plays a guy named Jack and a guy named, <laughs> a woman named <laughs> and Jill. And a dude named Jill. <laughs> uh, so they're twins and the box art looks horrible. The trailer is horrible. The movie is okay. It's not, it's not, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Inoffensive. Yes. Because one, it's PG. So it's, it's not going to be horrible. And, but here's the thing is the only PG movie made that year. Probably. Probably with Adam Sandler, I can always find stuff and his humor always comes through in a few points in movies, no matter how bad you think they are. Yeah. So in this movie, that little Indian boy who's in bad words with, Jason Bateman. Oh yeah, he's great. He's he's in this movie. Oh and good. He's a, the adopted son of Adam Sandler and Katie Holmes is his wife. Right. And in it, he's does, he, does he take him to go meet a hooker? No. Oh okay. In it, he he's always playing with tape. And Adam like Sandler, scotch tape. Yeah. And Adam Sandler's character's like, why does he always have tape? And so it'll cut to him, and he's taping like a turkey leg to him, and then he's <laughs> it, then he'll say one thing, and then. Two seconds later, it'll cut, it cuts back to him and he has something else taped on him. So it makes no sense. But this kid in every scene is walking around with something else taped on him. So it's actually kind of funny because it makes no sense. And why is it 
Yeah, that, taped. Sounds, that sounds like Adam Sandler. Yeah. yeah, like I mean, it's kind of irreverent and it doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's basically he can't stand his sister and he has to put up with her. Uh, and Al Pacino falls in love with his sister at a Lakers game, and the the premise is Adam Sandler's an ad executive and he's trying to get Al Pacino to do a Dunkin' Donuts commercial for Dunkachino, and so they go to a, a Lakers game with Johnny Depp. And so Johnny Depp and Al Pacino are there and Al Pacino falls in love with Jill. And so he sends her like a hot dog. That's like, call me. And it says, Al, and she looks up at him and he's like, it's the thing is Al Pacino goes like full on in the movie, full on, just goofy. And so Al Pacino is really great in it. Huh? Um, but then it, it tries to tack on that, you know, Adam Sandler realizes how great a sister is and, yeah, they, it's not they his, try to make it emotional. Exactly, it's not his best movie, but it's it's not as bad as people say it is. Yeah, I mean, there's a part where I was laughing where they're they're like farting in a movie theater because uh, so Adam Sandler's playing both parts and they're doing it at the same time and they're both mimicking the same way. Yeah, and that little Indian boy sitting between them and just moving his head back and forth and he's he says they're just like one another. It's just funny. You'd have to see it. Uh, but yeah, it's it's not. Like an abortion. It's not. Oh, right. It's, yeah. It's, it's it's not a good movie, but it's not. It's not. It's maybe one of his worst movies, but yeah. I I don't know. It's there's still, it's still funny parts. Katie Holmes is horrible in it. She's kind of just there. Yeah. And it has weird editing things. I think there's some of it that was cut out so they could make it PG. Um, and they have this weird thing where <laughs> Jill always runs into the woods whenever she's upset. So it'll just randomly so. They're at Thanksgiving dinner and Adam Sandler lives in this really nice house on Beverly Hills. And she says, oh, I'm going to go run in the woods. And it cuts. And then it just cuts to her running through woods. <laughs> I don't know why. It's just bizarre Adam Sandler humor. Um, so yeah, okay. I, it, it wasn't as bad. It's only like 87 minutes. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, I think the funniest line is so Al Pacino thinks Adam Sandler is hiding his sister from him. So Adel Pacino shows up at his house. Uh, oh no, sorry, fuck that up. The best line is Jill goes on a date with, uh, some guy and she comes back cause he like, it's Norm McDonald and he ditches her in the bathroom. <laughs> and so she comes home and the kids are saying, so Aunt Jill, how was your date? Oh, it was good, honey. And so she starts walking up the stairs and they keep on like probing her and she stops and then she starts crying and she's running up the stairs and she, Goes up one flight, looks back at Adam Sandler's like, why is there so many flights in these? Why is there so many stairs? And just walks away. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. And she finds true love at the end from Adam Sandler's landscaper. <laughs> who's a nice guy. And she plays soccer. And that's why he falls in love with her. All right. Yep. So you don't have to see it. It's just, it's not as bad as everybody says it is. Yeah, no, I understand. I got my $3 out of it. I mean, sure. Yeah. It could be worse. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, I spent a dollar because I bought Green Hornet and that, and they're both $2.99. Oh, yeah. Fuck yours. Green Hornet is worth $4. Is it? I haven't so. seen it yet. Oh, yeah. It's good. Cool. I like Green Hornet. So there we go. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. All right. What'd you watch, James? Um, I've just got a couple of things. So I watched, uh, I started watching Rick and Morty, um, oh, which yeah. is the, it's a cartoon show that is co-created by Dan Harmon. Um, it's on Adult Swim, and uh, it's is that not, a fifteen-minute 
show or is it a 30 minute show? No, it's a 30 minute show. Each episode's like 22 minutes or whatever. Um, and it's on, it's on Adult Swim and, um, it's about a, it's, it's like four episodes into its second season. Mm-hmm. Um, started watching it last week. At this point, I have watched all the episodes about three times. Is that good? Uh, yeah, I really like it. Um, basically what Rick and Morty is, is it's like, it's like an extreme version of Back to the Future. So Rick is the, Rick is this crazy science grandfather, um, who kind of looks like a, an alcoholic version of Doc Brown. He does. And yeah. kind of, kind of acts like an alcoholic version of Doc Brown. Um, and then Morty is basically Marty. Um, only Morty is a kid and super dumb. Mm. And Rick just like pulls Morty into weird adventures, though rather than, they don't necessarily travel through time. They they tend to like go through dimensions, you know. So they'll go to like a dimension where everybody's some kind of Cronenberg monster. And um, anyway, it's uh, I really like it. Uh, every episode is like a they come up with some kind of you know quirky thing that Rick is gonna get them into. Um, sometimes it's like, hey, we have to go to this other planet and get these weird seeds of this tree. And we have to smuggle them through interdimensional customs and, you know, like just weird stuff. Um, some episodes, they introduce this thing called, uh, Mr. Mr. Meeseeks, I think it's called. There's an episode where Rick just magically has this thing where you push this button and Mr. Meeseeks pops out and he helps you do something. So you're like, Mr. Meeseeks, I want to be popular at school. And he goes to school and tells everybody that you're cool. And as soon as you're popular, <laughs> then he disappears. And the idea of a Mr. Meeseeks is that he's supposed to disappear after, like, you know, like they're supposed to die very quickly is the idea. Mm-hmm. And so the um, Morty's family who, you know, he's got a dad and a mom and, and a sister. And, of course, the dad is super dumb. Um, and he asked Mr. Meeseeks, like, hey, I, I want to be better at golf. And the whole episode is the, the, they keep creating more and more Mr. Meeseeks because no one can make this guy actually get better at golf <laughs> until the Meeseeks go crazy and they're like, we're not supposed to live this long. And like, they start killing each other and like creating their own Mr. Meeseeks to help kill each other and it goes <laughs> insane. Um, there's just like, there's some weird kind of twisted stuff in there and, uh, it's just, it's really funny. It's a, it's a fun little throwaway kind of thing. Um, but totally worth like, if you sit down and you just want to kill 20 minutes, um, it's on Amazon. It's, well, it's on Amazon video, but it's not, it's not prime. Um, so I bought the first two seasons. Um, but it's well worth it. I've, I've watched it a lot. Um, so I would either pick it up or if you get a chance and you can like DVR it or whatever. Um, I think it's worth checking out. Cool. Uh, the other thing I saw was last night I went and saw, um, The Man from Uncle. Cool. Which, I really love that movie. Yeah, you know, <laughs> when I was talking to Brad about it, it's fun. Uh, I really like this movie a lot. Really? Oh, like, yeah. Like, like, like it? Like, like, like it. Wow. Um, so, bought the score. I like, I bought the soundtrack. The soundtrack is pretty badass. <laughs> yeah. And there's, unfortunately, the actual soundtrack you can buy doesn't have all of the original, or not original music. It doesn't have all of the, like, music music that's mm. in there. He uses a lot. I, I would go so far to say is that Guy Ritchie in this movie, like, he gets close to, like, Tarantino-esque levels of, mm-hmm. 
really amazing use of like third party music yeah, in I the agree. film. Um, there's like Italian rock and roll music in here and just like awesome shit that makes this movie so much fun to watch. Um, what would you expect, cowboy? Oh, man. <laughs> so the movie's gorgeous. Yeah. It's absolutely gorgeous. Guy Ritchie makes cool movies. Yeah, he does. I mean, I, There's... Haven't, I haven't seen what's the one with Madonna. I haven't seen that one. No one should see that movie. So, but I mean, every other that one movie, of his movies. That movie killed his career. Every other one of his movies, I'm like, yeah, these are pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, it, it, this really feels like, like Guy Ritchie getting the chance to make the James Bond movie that he's never going to be allowed mm-hmm. to make. And that honestly, no one's going to be allowed to make. Yeah. Right? Like this movie is, if you're a big fan of the old James Bond movies, if they wanted to make a movie like that today, this is what it would be. Yeah, I agree. Um, like it's, it's fun. It's more of an intrigue movie. Like by comparison to Mission Impossible, um, Mission Impossible is like a big tentpole action scenes and like everything is very huge scale. Mm-hmm. This, the action scenes are, are pretty subdued, but there's a lot of like intrigue and character and like, you know, the, the sexual tension is really well developed and like the, the arguments between the main two characters are great. I want to crawl inside of Henry Cavill's voice and just live there for I know, a while. It's cool. His voice is so cool. It oh, sounds like a goodness. 60s spy movie. And it looks like a 60s. There's yeah. shots in, like when he goes to the party and the, the one woman, your son is pulling all your Blu-rays off the shelf. Yeah. This is awesome. It just makes me happy to watch. Anyway. Um, so, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, you're fantastic, buddy. <laughs> he just grins and he goes back to it. Uh, um, so I forget where. Oh, there's this shot when he goes to the party, and the the evil woman is there, and like the it just it looks like it was shot in the seventies. Oh like, yeah, the yeah. Movie oh looks yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's that, that the way it zooms in and stuff. Oh yeah, well, and just like the coloring yeah. and like whoever his cinematographer was on this movie does an amazing job. And I was telling Brad, I think the biggest guy Richie moment is after they hook up the Nazi to the electric chair and oh. they, they say, what should we do with him? And he oh, catches on fire. A great scene. <laughs> my mom, my mom, I was sitting with my parents and my mom's laughing so hard. And I hear her go, that's not funny. <laughs> it is funny. It's super funny. Oh, see, she would like Tarantino. That's like a Tarantino moment. It totally is. But yeah. that's the most guy, Richie moment. You know, the, yeah, the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love the part too. I was telling Brad, just, Henry Cavell is so cool. Yes. Like, I love when he realizes he's been drugged and he puts, you know, the glass down and he starts making like a bed. Yeah. He says, yeah, the last time you did this to me, it hurt. <laughs> right. Yes. Oh my goodness. It was so much fun. I love those characters. I really do. Um, uh, yeah, it, it was just, you know, the, the plot is whatever. I, um, I don't care. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's just as throwaway as any other Spy, it's a spy movie, movie, right? Only what's kind of cool about this one is all of the like, all of the character stuff in between them is what makes it great. I, I think the opening sequence is some of the most fun I've had this year, hmm. straight up. And and I will even go so far. This is what I was sort of building to, you know, because this is really more of an intrigue kind of a movie, um, and it has some cool action moments in it. But it's it's really more about like these characters and them trusting each other, and then just the fun character play, like the scene when. When they're, uh, walking through, like, looking at all the architecture and Henry Cavill shows up and is like, you need to go over that way and pretend like you are afraid of these robbers. 
Like, that's a really cool, yeah, fun yeah, scene. pretty cool. You know? Um, but I am Russian. I would not be. <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> awesome. Like, all their arguments about, like, how they should behave as spies and that kind I, of stuff. I love the scene, too, where they're picking out outfits for, uh, what's the, Alicia's, uh, uh Alicia Vikander? Yeah, uh, Vikander. What's Gabby. Her name? Gabby. Gabby. When they're picking out outfits yes. for her and they both have different ideas of what but style is. That belt is. would not match. It does not, it have, does not have, have to match. match. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, the, the real truth here, and I've been thinking about this a lot. I had genuinely more fun in this movie than I did with Mission Impossible. Hmm. Um, and it, it's not Mission Impossible. They're both fantastic movies, but Mission Impossible is big action and all of that stuff. And this was just fun. It was just, it, it was just nice and enjoyable. And like, I liked listening to the characters talk. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's that kind of thing. It like, yeah. it scratches that itch. Um, I want to see another one of these immediately. Yeah. Um, it's kind of the way I felt after the first Sherlock Holmes was like, yeah, was this perfect? No. Was it a whole lot of fun? And do I want to see more of it? Hell yes, I do. Um, and the way he does like the split screen stuff. Oh yeah. Oh man. I was, I was, there's some shots and, there that are amazing. Me and Brad were saying, this is what, like, if you were making a comic book and you want to do the panels, that's what it should look like. Yeah. Oh you yeah. You know, and I love the scene where they're sniping people and it would be in red and with the target and then it moved yeah. from, yeah, the movie is pretty cool. And all those times, <laughs> yeah, those lines, there's, there's one where they, they bring the no, two guys no, together and the, uh, the line starts to disappear, but before yeah. they walk in, oh, it's so good. And the opening chase scene, come on. Yeah. Where <laughs> the one, the Army one Hammer's like running running. and catching up to him. He's, did he just rip the trunk off the car? <laughs> there's a, there, there's this gorgeous shot when, when Henry Cavill gets out, or when Solo gets out of the car and tells her to drive on, right? And they, they do that cool thing with the cars, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. And then he walks around the back and there's this aerial shot of Henry Cavill walking out from behind the car and lifting the gun to shoot it. That's just so, and like the lines, the shadows and the way he's holding the gun all line up to be perpendicular. Mm. And it's just a gorgeous shot. Like it was, it was so good that in that moment I was like, I'm not in the movie anymore. Cause you just <laughs> distracted me with how cool this looks. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I really enjoyed it a yeah, lot. It was a fun movie. Um, yeah. So I think people should go see it. Yeah. I, think <laughs> I recommended it too. Yeah. It was fun. Um, yeah, I kind of want to go see it again. So, uh, anyway, that's what I've watched. Cool. This week, I went and saw <laughs> Sinister Two. This is gonna be fun. I'm looking forward to this. Ryan, should people go see Sinister Two? Um, no, let me do it. Let me do it. Okay. Let me do it. Ryan, should people go see Sinister Two? If you're a fan of the first one, then yeah. If you haven't seen the first one, then no. Yeah, uh, I think it's actually a rental. I no. Here's a trailer for Sinister 2. Are we going to spoil a lot of it? Uh, do you not want me to? I mean, I don't, I'm don't. i going to ask you all kinds of questions. So yeah, that's yes, fine. Yes, yeah, okay, yeah. here's a trailer. Okay. Can you hear me? Oh, baby. Boys, let's, uh, let's get ready for bed. Can we just watch till the next commercial? Come on. I don't like it when you boys watch stuff like that before bed, okay? So let's go. Come on. It's not real, Mom. It's okay if it's not real. you believe in evil? Something otherworldly. Yes. You don't stop evil. You can only protect yourself from it. I'm worried about Dylan. Why? He's just different. I have something to show you. 
There are references to Bagul across all cultures. Some believe that it fed over the corruption of innocence. Children, have you ever met the bogeyman before? No, of course you haven't, for you're much too good, I'm sure. Hush, hush. Bogeyman. There are always three things in common. There's a murdered family, a house, and some form of offering. What is she saying? It's coordinates to where? A farm where an entire family was murdered. Nobody ever comes out here. That was terrible what happened. It's the kids. He gets the kids. This one's mine. Your family's in danger. Why? He's gonna hurt us. I won't let that happen. So, Ryan? Yes. I don't know anything about Sinister One because I didn't see Sinister One. You didn't see Sinister One? No, it's part of why I was like, oh, I should just skip this one. Yeah, you, you'd you have to see Sinister One. Yeah, because it's kind of like with Insidious where I saw Insidious 2 and like I was like, all right, I, A, this is not my kind of movie. Mm-hmm. B, I didn't see the first one, right? So, yeah. So, if I haven't seen Sinister One, give me a quick update. Like, what is Sinister? Okay. Well, and one, then... you, sh- you should see, I think you would like Sinister One. Really? Yeah. Um, because here's the thing with Scott Derrickson. Scott Derrickson makes unconventional horror films where you expect him to go one way. They kind of don't go that way. I mean, even if you don't like the exorcism, Emily Rose, it's not really a horror film. It's more of a courtroom drama with right. horror elements. And, and just to be clear, if, if you had, if he had made this movie, I probably would have go, would have gone to see it with you. And it, I, I will say, uh, I'll get to it. Um, so Sinister One is about a true crime writer. Right. And he hears about a horrific crime. Actually, I think Sinister One has one of the scariest openings of a movie ever. It's like a Super 8 film. And it's this, these four people and they're all hanging from a tree mm-hmm. and they're moving, they're moving. And all of a sudden you see the branch cut and they all drop and are like killed. Mm-hmm. And then that's, there's no music. There's, it's just like the sound of film going like yeah. super eight. And that's, and there's kid, there's two kids and two adults murdered at the beginning by hanging. And it's creepy. Yeah. And it picks up, uh, Ethan Hawke plays, uh, what's his name? Walt. Tin Goggins. Walt Os- Oswald? I think his last name's Oswald. Okay. Uh, anyways, yeah, Oswald. So he plays a true crime writer who had a really big hit. And after that, he couldn't duplicate it. And so he has a wife and two boys, and he doesn't tell them that they're moving into this house where this murder took place, because that's going to be his new book, because you find out as the movie goes along that four family members were murdered and one son is missing. Mm-hmm. And so it's a true crime story. So he wants to go there. He wants to recreate it. And while he's there, uh, supernatural things start happening. It's things that don't seem right. And the more he digs, the more he finds that these occurrences of family members being murdered and a missing child, boy or girl, uh, is throughout 
the last like 30, 40 years in America. And so he starts piecing together what's happening and he does research and he finds out that there's a demon named Bagul who f- preys on the innocent. And what he does is he corrupts somebody in the house and that person is the murderer. So you learn that there's some spoilers. You yeah. learn that the missing children are actually the people that are killing. So at everyone, the missing kid is actually the person killing their family. Yeah. So they're the ones filming. So what Bagul does is he doesn't really do anything directly. He influences the innocent to kill people. Okay. And so Ethan Hawke, you know, figures this out and one of his sons is starting to act a little weird and he's like, fuck this. I'm getting out of this creepy house. Why would I live at this house when it's, uh, you know, because there's always the old thing in horror films is why would you just fucking leave? You know, right. why would you stay in this house? So Ethan Hawke says, yeah, I'm leaving. I'm not staying here. I'm leaving this town. Fuck this house. I don't care about my money. I don't want to die. I don't want my fa- put my family in danger. And, uh, he goes and they go to a new house and, um, it happens to him. The son murders them with an axe. Gotcha. And the reason is, is the curse actually doesn't happen until you leave that house. So, by leaving the house, Bagul is able to get into the kid. So by leaving the house is actually why they die. Okay. So he takes what you – like, why did yeah. they just leave? And because they left, they they die. Right. Uh, and it, he <laughs> he asks this police officer for help. He doesn't ever get his name. He's Officer So-and-so. <laughs> and, uh, and so in Sinister 2 picks up uh, maybe a year or so after the first one. And officer so-and-so is back and he's investigating this, um, this Bagul. And what he's doing is he's going back and he's burning down all the houses. So he's trying to stop. What he's doing is he's seeing where people have been murdered by Bagul. Yeah. I guess not by Bagul, been corrupted by Bagul. Yeah. And he's burning down all the houses. So he's basically trying to stop (coughs) the chain of the curse. Yeah. Because if people can't go to a house and then leave the house, then they can't get. Exactly. So he's. Trying to do that. So he finds out about this other house where, uh, Shannon Sosamone, is that her name? Yeah. Sosamon. Shannon Sosamone from, uh, A Night's Tale. Yes. Uh, she and her two boys, two twin boys are living in one of the murder houses and, uh, murder, ha- murder house. Yeah. The subtitle of Sinister, <laughs> Sinister two. two. And they, um, they're hiding from her abusive husband. So she doesn't want anybody to know where they're at. And so deputy so-and-so finds them and whatever. Um, the movie relies really heavily on jump scares, which I I don't mind. But it, you were here. Did you, you were here for my Annabelle review, right? Yeah. So Scott Derrickson is a very good director. Yeah. Very visual, knows what he's doing. Yeah. The guy who directs this one, well, visually the movie looks cool. He doesn't. He can't do it. He can't get the scares right. Yeah. If you have jump scares, I don't care. But there's an art to it. James Wan, who does Insidious and did The Conjuring, he knows how to where to put cameras. Right. Scott Derrickson, Deliver Us from Evil. I still think one of the creepiest things is a security camera where the dude picks up the baby and throws it into like the tiger pit. Yeah. You know, just you see a little bit of it, just enough to be like, this is fucked up. Right. Um. There's an art to it. Yeah. I've seen so many horror films. I've I know the tricks. I know the tricks of what you're gonna do. So for someone like James Wan, when you're watching the conjuring and he uses uh a floating camera and he pans across and you if you've seen enough you always expect something on like let's say the right side of the frame james wan and scott derrickson are cool or they misdirect you and they'll put it on the left side 
or they won't put anything there to give you that uneasiness saying, oh, there's going to be something and then nothing happens. Right. And then it's like the beats they wait. Right. Um, this guy who directed this film, while it looks good, doesn't understand that. You know the beats. You know, exactly. You know the beats. You yeah. know something horrible is going to happen. Right. Uh, or it's horrible is not even the right word. Uh, it's, it's more, you know, when something. Exactly. And you are correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, ex- exactly. I know when it's going to happen. Uh, I mean, there's some great little scenes. Uh, Deputy so-and-so is going through the back of this church where these people were murdered and he's like moving up his flashlight and these little ghost boys keep on popping up. And every time he moves it back down, they disappear, moves it up, they disappear. Uh, I think they overdid the Bagul in it too. He shows up a lot. Mm. Where in the first one, which is really cool about Derrickson's movie, is you watch it and those little home videos, if you look really closely, you can see him in the background. Yeah. But you have to look. He just doesn't show up. Right. In this one, he kind of, they make him like a real boogeyman where you see him walking a lot. Yeah. Uh, so it takes away the impact of the character. Right. Uh, the character design's cool. He looks cool. But again, the subtlety of the first one that Derrickson does where you see his reflection in the water or yeah. you see him barely in a cornfield, I think is really effective yeah. because it makes you want to rewatch the movie and say, do I really see him there? Or is the movie fucking with me? Yeah. Um, this one say, like, oh, he's walking towards the camera. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyways, so yeah, it's it just can't live up because I th- I think the first sinister is one of the best horror films in a long time, and it just can't quite live up to it. Yeah, and I knew it couldn't, but yeah, and the so the way Ethan Hawke finds out in the first one is he finds this Super Eight projector, and he has all these film reels reels on it. it says I don't know, like family vacation. He puts it on, he sees a family murdered. But you really don't see much. Scott Derrickson's cool where it's one's like mowing, mowing the lawn. Yeah. And so it's, you see what's happening. The kid grabs, well, you don't know what's a kid at the time, but you see a lawnmower and the family's heads are like laying on the grass and the kid is going to go mow their heads. What's great about Scott Derrickson, he doesn't show it. Yeah. Doesn't show it. But that movie is rated R for terror because your mind is telling you that that kid is murdering those people by running them over with a lawnmower. Right. This film, they actually show stuff. So it kind of loses the impact. Um, less is more. And they, and they set up where, oh, they're going to force this kid to watch these movies. And that's how they get corrupted. Like these little ghost children say, this is the one I made. You watch it. So then you're forced to watch basically torture porn. Mm. So it's not as clever as an investigative guy discovering these little reels and he's trying to watch them and write them in a book and right. trying to figure stuff out. It's just not as interesting. Yeah. Um, and the stock character of the abusive husband shows back up and he's stupid. Um, yeah, there's just some things that just don't work as well. Um, the, but the last 30 minutes are really good. Yeah. It slowly starts picking up because they show one of the, one of the home movies is, uh, in the church. This little boy ties his family down and he gets all these rats and puts them in like, uh, covers them up on their stomachs and he yeah. puts like coals on the top. So the rats have to eat their way through their bodies. Yeah. That's hardcore. And yeah, just like it was in fast and the furious Two, too yeah. fast, too furious. I haven't seen that one yet. Oh uh, yes. That happens in too fast, too furious. Cool. Yes. So I'll be able to see that eventually. Yep. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it picks up steam eventually uh, and it gets kind of creepy, but then it, then it kind of, it ends and, and then they have like a tag scene that's not very good. Um, so the conflict here is that 
dude wants to burn down the house of some people that, but they're living there. Exactly. They're already there. He's so already if they there. Leave, so, so yeah, he wants to keep them there. Right. And what happens is, is the abusive husband shows up and he says, I'm going to take my kids. And oh man, that's dumb. Deputy so-and-so says, well, you don't have a court order. Well, eventually he shows up with a court order and then he takes the kids and, uh, the lady, I forget what's her name in it. Who fucking cares? Um, Shannon, uh, right. <laughs> she, she's afraid for their kids. And so she goes with them. So by him, by them leaving and going back to their house, they're like one Whatever. house. Yeah. Uh, Bagul can now get them. Right. And, and it ends up, you think it's going to be one kid that they're trying to corrupt, but they actually corrupt the other son. Yeah. And, and then it has the stupid thing where, he starts to make the video and deputy so-and-so is going to go help him. And so the, the, I mean, the idea is cool. The kid like ties him up like scarecrows and he's going to light him on fire. So he lights the dad on fire uh, first, of course, instead of lighting all three of them, he lights one at a time. Yeah. So then he's going to about to light the little boy on fire and deputy so-and-so hits him with his car <laughs> just in the nick of time. And, uh, and then the kid's, like, oh, I'm not done making my movie. And then he takes a sickle and he chops deputy so-and-so's hand in half and, uh, so-and-so survives and they get in the house and they end up destroying the camera. And since there's no other camera, Bugul takes the other kid instead. So I don't know why Bugul just won't take the other kid anyway. So he doesn't have to go through making the home video. I guess he's trying to get a bunch of soul. It doesn't make any sense. Um, so yeah, that's the end. Because the problem that they have here is that they don't. There is no way to de- actually like defeat. There's no good way to end. Yeah, it. yeah. yeah. There, there is no good way. To me, the good Which way. Which is to- why in the first movie everybody dies. Yeah, ex- exactly. Because the first one that that's a shocking ending. Right. Is because again you think that everyone is safe because Ethan Hawke's like I'm getting him out of here. I'm yeah. not going to stay here. Fuck this. This house is haunted. Yeah. And it's really not the house is haunted. It's you. You. You're haunted. And so, and I mean the ending to the first sister is fucking horrible i mean it's it's haunting because this kid dragging this huge axe that's like covered in gore and just like walking through the house and killing people i mean that's pretty creepy yeah and it ends that way interesting yeah so this one it's like they they try to make a sequel out of it and the best way to make a sequel out of it and is you just focus on a different family and you don't let them know about the rules of bagul yeah because it just i don't know in general, would you say that like anytime you make a sequel to a horror movie where in the sequel everybody now knows the rules, does that usually make for a worse film? Yes. Okay. But I understand you the the hard thing you run into is you have to progress the films. Sure. But you what you run into and I Cuz other, otherwise you end up telling basically the same story. Yeah, and that's I mean my favorite horror series is Friday the 13th. That's the biggest knock on Friday the 13th. Is you're basically seeing the same movie over and over again. Yeah. It's just Jason's killing people different ways. Right. Which is true. I, yeah. I'm not denying that at all. But the problem you run into is something like Halloween. Halloween one and two are pretty good. They're, so Halloween one is a classic. Yeah. Halloween two is just a continuation of Halloween one. Right. Um, so it takes place like the same night and it's just in the hospital instead of a home. Halloween three, Michael Myers is even in it. Halloween four is really good because again, it's the return of Michael Myers. He comes back. He's going to kill his niece. He doesn't. And that movie ends with the niece killing her mom. So it's like the continuation of the curse of Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. Like it's now infected another member of his family, another young person. Yeah. The fifth one disregards the really good ending. So the fifth one disregards 
that she killed her mom. She just hurt her mom, and now she's too afraid to talk. And then they introduce this stuff that Michael Myers is actually part of a cult, and it just it starts getting losing its own yeah. momentum. And it, so that's what happens sometimes when you try to change things too much. Yeah, uh, they did in Friday Thirteenth, Friday Thirteenth Part Nine. Uh, they try to make sense of why Jason can't die, that he can, he's not really Jason, it's the essence of evil, and that the body is just Jason's, and it's like body hopping, and it's really stupid. And then you try to explain it, and when you try to explain it, it makes it more dumb than a dude who can't die in a hockey mask killing people. <laughs> you know, it's, you're right. trying to overexplain it. I mean, the movie's well made, and it's not a horrible movie, it's just, compared to the first one, is not as good. Right. So, yeah. I mean, if you're a fan of the first one, I'd go see it, but you can, if you're not, maybe rent both of them back to back and yeah. watch them and see why Scott Derrickson's a better filmmaker. Yeah. I mean, he wrote it and there's moments where it's good, but it also seems like it's one of the, he's wrote it with somebody else. Yeah. So my guess is maybe someone else wrote it and he kind of helped them write it. Yeah. Like story by him. But, yeah. You know. Yeah. Cause yeah. I think he's, I think he is credited for the screenplay, but, um, yeah. Again, it's one of those, but the thing too is what I love about it's a Bloomhouse picture. It costs $3 million to make and it's already in profit. So yeah, of course. So he'll always, and Scott Derrickson will always make more movies. Oh yeah. He's a good, well, he's making Doctor Strange. Right. So well, yeah, like the reason he didn't make this movie is because he is making Marvel movies. So yeah, and okay. I'm sure that's probably why the screenplay isn't as tight. He's like, oh yeah, here you go. I'm yeah. busy. <laughs> yeah. Here, this will, this is palatable. It'll make you some money. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. Cool. Yeah. Cool. cool. Uh, next week, I don't know what we're seeing. I don't Either. know what we're doing. Yeah. We'll figure it out. Yep. So that was my really long explanation to the Sinister series. <laughs> no, I like it. I like it. <laughs> um, I, I kind of enjoy just you explaining a movie that I haven't seen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I would say see a Sinister one. Um, yeah. Cool. Till next week. Bye. Bye. Support TJ Moore Foundation. Visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can tweet us at real underscore nerds. You can email us even, realnerds at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Hey, stream us on Stitcher. You want to call us? 720-6nerds5. And download us on iTunes. Just search Real Nerds. Thank you, Joe Kempter, for the wonderful voiceover. And also, Spark Mandrill, for the wonderful late-night jazz-smooth sounds of movies. You can find them on SoundCloud. This has been a Nebulous Visions production.